All right. Got ya. It says recording dot dot dot. We heard the voice that said recording in progress. That's the so one. I assume we're recording. Nice. Uh, my nightmare would be to be like, oh, it wasn't recording. Or, oh, I started talking, but then it didn't record for a few minutes. But whatever. I've uh, done that. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so it's Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. I am with Sarah Harvey, and this is the Celebrity Josh podcast. I'm your host, Josh Rackless, but I want to change uh, both those names. So let me try, let me try a, a new intro. Welcome to Spark the Genius. I am Spark the Genius, and we are going to Spark the Genius. See how it works there? It's like, it, it's the name of the show, but it's also my name, because I'm Spark the Genius, but it's also what we're going to do. We're going to Spark the Genius. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> I like that. Very inventive. Thanks. I'm just seeing how it works. I've been trying to come up with a, a new name for myself for uh, a long time. And uh, I don't know. I keep, well, obviously I had, uh, here, I'm just going to check what mic I'm using on here. Let's see. Audio. Interesting. Can you hear me? Okay. So it's probably, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just testing to see whether it's using the mic that's using my headphones or what. I'm very paranoid right now. I was thinking of using like Zencaster to record this in high fidelity, but I only remembered that we're doing this 10 minutes ago. So I figure. But you know what? The audio on Zoom is pretty good. Uh, just with the interviews, we, some of the people that we've been interviewing for the documentary in the US and uh, the sound quality has been really good, actually. OK, good. Yeah, because I've been using Skype and I was sort of watching back an interview I think I did yesterday. And I'm like, oh, this is actually, no, it was one from a couple of weeks ago on Skype, but I was trying to finally upload it yesterday. But I'm like, oh, this kind of looks grainy and it just sounds crappy. I'm like, I don't like Skype. Yeah, Skype I haven't had a good ex experience with. Even um, I did some video calls on uh, Gmail, like with mm. Google. That wasn't very good either. Zoom is my preference. <laughs> yeah, because I'm even noticing right now just the video quality. It looks very sharp. I, can, I, I know. I think it makes me look a little bit more beautiful than I really am. Then uh, I, I think they have some kind of filter business going on or some kind of magic in Zoom. <laughs> well, you can. There is actually a setting where you can choose to improve my appearance kind of thing. I like to go. Oh, I need to find that. Like yeah. I need to hire someone to find that setting. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like Vaseline on the lens, I guess. Um, oh, but it's also. Hey, whatever works, I will take it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's no, no. <laughs> No need, nobody needs to know the truth. Yeah. Um, I just need like a, a Brad Pitt filter that basically makes my face look like his. That'd be kind of fun. But you know what the thing is with filters, okay? And this is my thing. If, you see, I see a lot of people like the filters on Instagram, okay? You can kind of tell when someone's got a filter. But some people like change the pictures so much that when you meet them in real life, you actually walk straight past them. Oh, for sure. Uh, so I think if you use filters and that so much on your online presence, then you're just going to be a big fat disappointment in real life. No. Yeah. Well, I'm fine with that. I'm, <laughs> I already am a big fat. I think, disappointment. A lot of, I think a lot of people are actually, they're pretty happy with, <laughs> you know what, with COVID who sees anyone in real life anyway. <laughs> well, I was going to say like, I'm, I, don't, I haven't seen anybody in real life in two years. So I don't really care what they think of me in real life. I mean, I, we could basically, I mean, it's like a Black Mirror episode, right? Where you're just sort of put your brain chip into the computer and you can look like whatever you want. And then, I mean, I what, is, what meaning I does saw, everything have? I saw this Canadian TikTok the other day and it was a, a grandma and she was like, 
Well, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd be sitting here smoking weed with the family and the illegal part would be being with the family <laughs> because yeah. weed yeah. is now legal in Canada, right? But I thought that is pretty uh, interesting. Really. Pretty clever for a TikTok grandma. Mm -hmm. So um, I, should, uh, I should introduce you. So who are you? My name is Sarah Harvey. Yeah. I'm yeah. an actress, a writer and a producer. And uh, is that a British accent? Certainly is. I am from Liverpool, you know, where the good old Beatles are from. I heard of the Beatles. Have you heard of the Beatles? Yeah, they're, they're a little bit famous. Your dog um, likes the Beatles. He gets excited. I know, my, my dog gave a little woof there. He was excited when I mentioned them too. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, um, like I've been in Canada about probably about 14 years now. Um, Wait, are you in Canada now? Yes. So where I are you? Where are I'm you? I'm in Toronto. I've been, I'm, I'm now a Canadian citizen and I live in Toronto. Um, and I've been here about 14 years. So, um, but yeah, like Liverpool's still always my home, you know? Yeah, well, uh, you haven't been in Toronto long enough to be like Toronto because you're still saying no, all the I'm Toronto. I'm from Toronto. No, I don't really kind of, I don't have any accent. And when people ask me to do an American accent, it's a bit of a disappointment. So I just don't even try to be honest. <laughs> Well, you could be like, you know, basically all the Marvel movie characters. They're all British, but then they try to sound like American, like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Yeah, I just sometimes I think it's just better sticking with what you know than disappointing. I mean, I will get around to learning an accent, but it's going to take one hell of a coach, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, I, yeah, I had a coach once for uh, I acted in a couple of commercials I wrote as a Scottish character. Uh, the first one I did, I was just like, oh, like, oh, I'm just doing Mike Myers. I want to hear the Scottish accent now. You've got to show it to me. Yeah. So basically the commercial was, um, I was talking about Nutrigrain mini granola bites. So it's like, new Nutrigrain mini granola bites. Chewy granola mixed with delicious flavors. Oh, it's so true. But I'm not sure why they call them mini because they're huge. And then I pull out one of these things, but it's bigger than me because I'm tiny. It's like pieces of fruit the size of my nephew's head. Who could eat even one of these behemoths? Um, uh this could feed an army for a year oh hello and then a woman like sees me and goes ah and, I, and drops the thing <laughs> on me and, and i go ah and then uh and then i go i'm okay because i'm under the bag so it's basically uh yeah my mike myers hey, that was a pretty good uh scottish accent thanks so i i they hired a voice coach for me the second time because now they were like oh we're gonna really do it this time um because the first time they were using another guy as well uh but and then they chose my my edit but uh, yeah the coach said yeah you pretty much got it and then she just gave me some some cassette tapes with some accents and so i actually wound up doing the scottish accent for uh an animated tv show called time warp trio nice. I think that's all i've used it for but I, I put it on my voice thing as something i can do but i think mostly for accents my thing is like you know what you're probably never gonna be you know you're never gonna sound as american as an american so you might as well just embrace your thing because i mean there's exactly. a lot of people in canada yeah. there's, i had a friend who was they were always looking for she would do all the british accents for commercials because exactly. she was genuine yeah that's that's my thing like i'm the british person in toronto i guess but i mean the only time i really do accents is if i'm in um a toilet when i'm out in a bar and i'm drunk and then I like to try and pretend that I'm from somewhere else like Ireland or Scotland. But then I usually end up sounding like I'm Australian or something. But I just like to do it because I'm drunk and uh, people usually actually believe me. 
but that's really the only time that I do accents. Yeah, well, I was going to say... I that drink makes me brave enough to, like, go right into it. <laughs> I was just thinking about this yesterday. My friend Adrian, when we were 22, we went to, like, a bar, and he was working on his Scottish accent as well. So one time we went to the bar, and he just pretended to be Scottish, like, hey... And he, some girl went up liking him. I think he had to go on several dates with her and never told, like he couldn't reveal at some point, like, oh, I've been faking this accent. I don't know what, why I just went South African there. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, and wow, I wonder if he could look her up 20 years later now and be like, hey, it's me again. I'm, I wasn't Scottish. <laughs> you see, it may, it's just, I just think it's a fun little party trick when you're very drunk with strangers. It's yeah. just, I don't know. No, when it's I was nice, interesting, you know. <laughs> yeah, when I was young and I went to bars, I always wanted to try something. I think, remember my friend Dennis and I went to one once and we just told people that my name's Tristan and I was a race car driver. You just want to, it's your chance to be whatever you want. Well, yeah. I don't know if I've ever done the, the job thing. Mm -hmm. um, probably not. Maybe yeah. the name thing, but that's about it. What, you know what? Back then, when I used to go out, because I'm like 41 now, so I'm like old and a little bit boring. But when I was younger, I mean, I mean, social media didn't even exist. Like phones with cameras didn't even exist. I can't imagine if I was to live my years again now with phones, with cameras, or even being in high school with social media, I would probably be a disaster, to be quite honest. Yeah. The pressure of social media as a teen now. If you were to relive your teens yeah. with social media, I, I think often... everyone would think I was a train wreck. I was very hormonal, you know? So, yeah, I often think about that actually. Like, I just wish, even just yesterday, I've been complaining about, I, I made a little vlog and I was talking about how I wished. Because, I... okay, so two days ago, I watched this webinar with this guy teaching people how to, to be a tourist in your own town. And uh, you, you can walk to the grocery store and see new things. And, and, and he says, but if you're gonna travel somewhere, you should always write a letter to yourself before you go there so that you know what you were thinking and what you were excited to see and stuff. Cause you can never recap, after you've been to a place for the first time, you can never recapture that feeling. And it made me think, I, I just wish I'd kept a diary all my life. Like every day, just written a few words written something down so I could go back and go, all oh, right, I met that Jen girl. I didn't know that was going to be my girlfriend or, or how I felt on the first day of school or university. Cause you can't go back and remember. I always thought, Oh, you'll remember things. You got some photos. And then I'm like, they had video cameras in those days. Like it would have been big and expensive, but I could have bought one and just, cause I've got footage from high school when I was 18 that we filmed some comedy skits with my friend, Peter, and he's got yeah. the old tapes. But I never, it never occurred to me, buy your own camera. Just buy your own camera and you can film your own movies. And even, even 20, 15 years ago, I, I had a girlfriend, Jen, and we would borrow the video camera from the school where she taught to film a short film. But again, it never occurred to me, buy your own camera. You have a job. You could make movies whenever you want. And you could make an audio, like a vid little video diary every day. Like, hey, today I did this. Imagine being able to go through your life and like, here you are at 18, talking about your feelings. I know. Well, that isn't that TV show. Um, there's a TV show that an actor basically built off doing that. Um, and at the end of every episode, God, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but at the end of every episode, he shows like a clip of, you know, this very old camera footage from when he was growing up. It's pretty oh. cool. It's like a comedy show. I can't remember what it's called now. I've never heard of that. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. But, but I did message Jen just now, actually. And, uh, um, 
like a relative of mine is sick. And I was like, did you ever meet her? And she's like, no, I never did. But, and I said, I just wish I'd had kids in time uh, for her to meet them and all that. And she's like, well, you know, the best days are still ahead of you. And, and, but not if you're living in the past, you need to, to be in the present. So, so I, there's no point in whining about, oh, I wish I'd kept a diary every day. All you can do is start now. Yeah, you know, sometimes there's things that you don't want to remember. Like I did keep a diary like when I was sick. I was sick for like a long time, um, about seven years. And, you know, the doctors didn't think I would ever get better. Um, And when I was at my sickest and I just couldn't imagine spending my entire life being so ill, I did keep a diary um, and it was just talking about, um, you know, how isolated I felt, how how much of a burden I felt on people around me and how I missed just like doing basic things. And, you know, sometimes I actually stumbled across it the other day and I read it and I was like, Oh my God, like I actually forgot how bad it was. And, um, but it rereading it now actually makes me very grateful for, you know, the fact that I am well and that I do have my mobility and I'm fully functional and independent and, pretty much completely back to good health. Um, so in some ways, I am glad that I did keep a diary through that very difficult time because it really just, you do forget when you come out of it and, uh, you know, um, just to be able to reflect. And now I think that's one of my biggest things is I don't take anything for granted. I don't take my time for granted. So I really do try and make the most of, you know, every occasion, um, I try and do as much as I can with my time. And when you're in that moment, you know, like actually be in the moment and enjoy it. If you're out with friends or, you know, you celebrate in a big moment, enjoy that because it's not every day. And I think the biggest lesson in life that I learned was that your health can change at any moment. And I think that's when I see people who are well and able and I see them not really doing anything with their life and I'm like, if your life changed, like right now, you would regret not doing more while you were so able, you know, um, because it's only once it's taken away from you that you really, um, you know, realize what you had, you know? Yeah, no, I was thinking that today on my jog, I got a newsletter. I've signed up for newsletters about pancreatic cancer. And, uh, and the one today was about this doctor, Elliot Shulman, who got pancreatic cancer and then I guess it's talking about how he's, he's, he's trying to be grateful. You know, he's still supposed to practice gratitude. So he's grateful that it's, he's noticing things now that he never did. And he tries to be in the moment and enjoy the good days. And sorry, I'm just going to set up my blanket here so that the sun isn't shining in my face and making me look like a ghost. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, like, and and so I just started thinking like, you know, if I got news today that, oh, I've got cancer, all my other problems would seem like insignificant. I'd be like, oh my God, if I could only just get rid of this cancer, then everything would be, you know. I... But that's exactly it. It's only once you've had your health compromised that you really start to appreciate your life and and the things that you had. Like the biggest thing that I always remember when I was sick was I, like I lived by a beach and a boardwalk and I always used to think, you know, I'd love to be able to just jog on that boardwalk again. I wonder if I'll ever be able to do that again. 
And I used to visualize it in my head all the time thinking, I just wish I could like walk and run along the boardwalk. Like I miss that. And, um, you know, when I got well, like it was one of the things that I loved doing the most was just going down to the beach and walking or running or cycling down the, and whenever I would be on the boardwalk, I would really just embrace that moment because for years I lay in bed thinking about being able to do that again. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. And that's, it's tough because I I wonder, you know, I mean, maybe I've got cancer now and I don't know about it, but I'm assuming I don't. Uh, And and so I say that out loud. (laughs) I know I shouldn't. I'm just mad because uh, again, everything I say is 15 years ago. Who knows if it actually was, but I was at this advertising party and uh, they served brownies and they didn't, they didn't label that they were had drugs in them. It just said nuts and no nuts. And so I ate a couple of them. And uh, it was a lot of drugs. And, and I went up in the hospital because like, I was losing my mind. And and uh, and then at the end of the, I was there all night. And then they're like, oh, we're going to send you for a heart test. There's something wrong with your heart. And so I went for a heart test the week later. And the doctor looks at my chart. Oh, no, no, I didn't do another test. He just looked at the chart from that night. And he's like, oh, boy, there's something wrong with you. We're going to send you for the test. And so they gave me all this, like, they pump you full of radiation. And you're on a treadmill. And, like, you're not allowed to be near pregnant women for the week and stuff. Crazy stuff that it's probably really dangerous and they only do it if you're an old person, you're going to die anyway. So they might as well do this test. And then I'm like, Oh my God, what's wrong with my heart? And I come back a week later. So yeah, so there's nothing wrong with you. So just don't hang out with people like that. I'm like, wait, hold on. Actually a month later, I was like, wait a minute. Why did, they, why didn't he just do whatever little test they did in the emergency room again without drugs in my system? Why did he just look at that knowing that I was pumped full of drugs and then send me for this radiation stuff. And so I called the hospital. I'm like, I want to talk to this guy again. They're like, Oh, he died. I'm like, okay, great. Um, he was very old. And, uh, but, but my fear now is that whatever that was has now, you know, at some point I'm going to get cancer from it. And- oh, don't, don't, don't put your energy into it. I tell you why. And I, when I was sick, the doctors kept telling me that I had cancer and they did every test, like every CT scan, so many different tests with radiation and you know because they were looking for cancer right and uh i mean a lot of those tests were like five seven years ago and uh, i i really believe that if you treat your body well with nutrition that your body can bounce back from most things so you know don't most people have had at least one test with radiation i've had about probably 10, 15, (laughs) at least. Um, So I'm still here. Yay. All right. That's good. And yeah, like, so what I've been trying to do lately is, and this has been my dream for a while, just to have the absolute healthiest diet possible, like whatever it is, salads and whatever. I'm just not good at like planning and cooking and stuff. And I'm like, I just want somebody to hand me and say, here's the salad, here's your smoothie. You're only eating it's healthy a combination. things. It's, it's a combination. You got to get your, your vegetables, your root vegetables, your broccoli. Like Yeah, my mom those cooks things. those. So that's good. She's always serving broccoli and root vegetables. But, but during the day. It's huge. People it? on the best. Asparagus is so powerful. Mm. She serves those too. She's got a list of like anti-inflammatory vegetables and stuff. Yeah. But then, turmeric on everything you eat. Mm, turmeric's good. And I've been buying some... Um, the bulk store, I buy chia seeds, hemp seeds, and flax seeds, and I sort of sprinkle them on oatmeal or yogurt. Uh, it keeps you very regular. 
oh my god it's so it <laughs> it it just goes right through me and I'm like oh I love this I never want to uh yeah not eat those again it's yeah, my I, I think diet's really just about balance like I eat steak and potatoes every single day and um I don't I don't really put weight on but I don't I don't eat I eat dark chocolate steak potatoes and I eat my vegetables and salads every day but I don't eat you know junk food I don't eat Big Macs or I would love to eat Big Mac if I was honest um I actually used to have like an obsession with Big Macs but I just don't eat like junk food or takeaway like at all yeah I do it because it's that's actually a joke I'm trying to write for my stand-up for the contest next week it's like I do I, I invented something during the pandemic called Jog Donald's where I I jog to McDonald's uh, and that's basically it. That's the whole joke sort of. Um, but then to save money, like I've got a, a deal on my app where you save a dollar if you get two extra value meals. So I get that. But, uh, but because you're supposed to have a balanced diet, I make one of the meals, a Big Mac meal and the other a McChicken meal. So that's, that's <laughs> very, and then I take an Uber home. Um, so that's, that's my healthy uh, meal. Actually, I don't take the Uber home, but th- when I told that yesterday in the open mic, the teacher said, and then he takes an Uber home. I'm like, ah, see, I should add that. I was thinking of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, you don't, the Big Mac is all, every time I eat one, I'm like, ugh, what am I even doing? And the last time I got a grand Big Mac, I think, because that, that, you know, bad. you're McDonald's, you're in the States, right? No, I'm in Ottawa. I'm, I, I used oh, to live in Toronto. All my stories okay. are in Toronto as well. Oh, because I was going to say, like, I find that McDonald's is different in every country. Like in England, KFC is yeah. beautiful. Mm. In Canada, not so great. No, and no. McDonald's in the US is not nice at all. But in Canada, it's okay. The chicken nuggets are still nasty. But in England, chicken nuggets are pretty nice. It's real chicken, right? Whereas here, kind of not nice. Yeah, I, I, I should do like a... A YouTube series on Mc... everybody's always fascinated how McDonald's are different. Like if you go to Tokyo, it's these weird things. I don't think they have sushi, but they've got bizarre items. Or if you go to Costa Rica, it's slightly different. Like it's, it's sort yeah. of adapts. Or even in parts of Canada, I think they have. I don't know. Maybe they've got a lobster sandwich in in Halifax or something. So it, it... I heard that McDonald's in Canada used to have Pizza Hut attached to it or something. You used to be able to get pizza in McDonald's years ago. There was a. My dad was just talking about that last week. He misses the, there was just, I mean, they had a McPizza. Like it was a little. McPizza. We never got that in England. What yeah, I don't know if it was, maybe it wasn't called McPizza, but it, they had a pizza and it was. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, you could just get sort of, you know, little personal size pizzas in a box kind of thing. I remember it. So I don't know if that was a temporary thing or they were trialing it in Canada and then they were like, ah, oh, they gave up. Um, yeah. But yeah, we had that for a bit. And then we had McRibs. Did you ever have those? Um, they had that in England, so not not that special. But. Yeah, so that's nothing big. And then Mc, uh, what are they called? McDeal, McBeal, uh, McBealties. I don't know. I just saw an old commercial from the '80s with George from Seinfeld. Uh, before Seinfeld, he was in that, and, and it was like all about the hot side hot and the cold side cold. And they they patented the box. He just tweeted about this, like it was like the lettuce and tomatoes on one side, but you don't merge them until later, and then it keeps it fresh until it's ready, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do. I do miss having a bit of junk food, but at the same time, like I do like my healthy lifestyle. You know, it's better so. to be healthy. Um, because yeah, a, a month ago I went for gelato and I got I forget what it was called, but it was some kind of like Lebanese gelato. So it was like really thick, like a marshmallow, and it was like a couple of big scoops. 
and by the end of it, I was like, this is, no, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want the sweets. I don't want the junk. I just feel guilty about it. It never feels good. And then we went to Dairy Queen a couple of days ago with my parents. And I'm like, ugh, I got a banana split. It took me like three meals to eat it. And I was like, I don't even want this. So I, I keep thinking if I can just plan ahead and be like, okay, I've got a bag of grapes. I've got cherries, like something sweet and nice to eat, but that's healthy. Because I saw you this... You just need to develop a lactose intolerance disorder and you'll be fine. Like I can't eat dairy, so I don't even get tempted. I look at ice cream and just think, ouch. <laughs> so it just doesn't bother me. I could do that. Like there was a little period where uh, another story about Jen. I dated three Jens, but I, I, every time I'm talking about the first Jen here. Um, and uh, after I- Jen, up- if you're watching, you, you're getting a lot of shout outs today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe she'll listen. Um, after I broke up with her, I broke up with her a few times, kept getting her back. And then finally, one time we were chatting again and, uh, and she's like, oh, and I said, we should go for coffee. And she's like, oh, I just, so you know, I'm engaged. I was like, what? And I was devastated. And then I started getting these stomach pains and I was over at some girl's apartment. I think that's when it started. Like she was really cute. She really liked me. And I was like, oh, I got to go home. My stomach hurts. And then a couple of days later, some other girl who I'd liked for a while, she's like, Hey, I could come over and have a hot tub. I'm like, oh my God, finally. Wanda wants to come over hot tub. And then I was like, oh, my stomach. And I was like on the floor of the bathroom, like curled up in pain. And then I went to my family doctor. This went on for a couple of years. And then I was like, I need to go to the emergency room. And uh, yeah, so again, they did all these tests. Like I had a colonoscopy, I had endoscopy where they stick up your nose. um, And and they actually, no, they were going to try my nose, but my nostrils are too small. So then stuck it down my throat. Anyways, after all of that, the doctor's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Just chill out, eat some fiber. Um, and so at the time I thought, cause I couldn't eat anything. If I had any milk or bread, I was like, all this. so I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm celiac. Cause my aunt's celiac, my sister's celiac. I can't eat bread. So I was just eating rice and chicken for a long time. And then it turned out, no, you were just, it, I think it was my body's way of saying, look, Mary Jen, you love this girl. You could have kids. This is the right time for you. You're not going to be anybody else. But I was rejecting it. Cause I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I don't want my life set in stone yet. I'm supposed to go to Hollywood. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, so if you get some kind of stomach problems, it can help whenever I get really stressed and sad, I lose weight pretty fast. Cause I'm just not eating, but yes. Um, I, I think it's all about sort of just having whatever food you should eat nearby. Like if I'm hungry, uh, I'll go to McDonald's. I'm not thinking straight, but if I've got a bag of grapes and, and broccoli, I'll, I'll eat that. You know? mm, I get it. I get it. So, okay. So let me just read your Instagram bio here. Um, you know, well, I guess we're a half hour into this. We should find out what the hell we're talking about. Um, Sarah Harvey, write, act, direct, author, mediator, arbitrator, product of the 80s from, and then British flag, living in Canadian flag, Toronto, never stop pushing forwards. Yeah, so you're probably, oh no, you're product of the 80s. My sister, my youngest sister was born in 79. Well, I just slipped into the 80s because I'm a 1980 baby. So I kind of just got in there. Yeah, and she was like a week, a week before 1980. So, uh, yeah. so you could be my sister, but you're not. <laughs> uh, we assume. Um, okay, so what's? Uh, yeah, what's? Let me see. I think did I see one of your like funny videos on uh, Instagram? I don't even know. Let's see. Um, are you, you? Do you list yourself as a comedian? I I don't, but I I I kind of make people laugh, but not really on purpose um but um so but no, I, don't, I don't list myself as a comedian oh yeah because i know i was looking for uh 
hashtag comedians to talk to and so oh no here here's my content great content oh my god i spelled it contony that's so weird oh maybe i saw you because yeah well you're doing films and stuff lucky to be on set with so many talented people so i guess all right well let's quickly start in 1980 um what have you done what have you done since then and like what do you like um, well basically like it kind of all started out like i was 12 when i started acting in england and uh i just joined like the local group i was always used to get really jealous watching kids on TV, you know, playing like the high school kids, which in England, it was a show called Grange Hill. And I used to get really jealous watching them. And, uh, and then my mom was like, well, you know, you can go and do acting classes, because that's all that they do. And I was like, Oh, okay, yeah. So then I did that. And then um, as I got older, I went to like, um, more advanced classes with uh, it's actually very, really famous in England. Now, her name's Tina Malone. And I was in her classes for several years and uh, she got me, she did, she was my agent and my coach and uh, she got me several gigs. So, you know, I did a show called, a few episodes on a show called Hollyoaks. And I also did um, like a channel four um, full length film um, where I had to play this like 14 year old who, who was looking to experiment you know um sexually and stuff like that so it was all about like you know the pressure of like kids in high school um but it was it wasn't it's called it you know i'm not even going to give you the name of the show because it sounds erotic and it wasn't erotic whatsoever but it was it, it i mean it was actually a really well um put together show by uh, brian percival and uh it was you know i felt like i had five minutes of fame in in england back then and then i came to canada and i did um did a lot of indie films and uh, I got, then I got really sick and I basically didn't do anything for about seven years. And when I got better, I was like, right, that's it. I'm going back full force now. And uh, I got an agent. I did uh, a few commercials um, and then now this feature film. And now I'm kind of moved more into writing um as well as acting i actually enjoy writing as much as i do acting to be quite honest i find that creating characters and storylines and just like wanting to entertain people is is actually very exciting so i wrote like a feature-length film um about about these friends and that actually got selected by the toronto international women's festival and then um, I wrote a comedy TV show called Debbie about like this bisexual woman. Um, and that is a comedy. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, the feedback has been that it's kind of got Fleabag vibes. Um, and then now I'm co-producing a show with a really talented guy called Jerry Wolf. And he's... Um, I think people are going to see a lot of him um, in the next few years. Um, his writing is really cool. And he's written a show which is a little bit like Stranger Things kind of meets um, Stephen King's It. You know, it's very, but it's all set in Canada and it's about a, set, a young group of girls, um, you know, like girls in the early teenage years. Um, and it's just like his writing's phenomenal. So I, I'm an associate producer on his show um, called We Are Not the Monsters. And um, 
I think that's, I think we're going to start, you'll be seeing that on TV within probably the next year or so. And then um, I'm acting in this feature film that's written by um, Thet Wynn and being produced by Thet Wynn and Manuel De Silva, who are both like, um, again, names that are really getting well known in Canada. And that's like a detective sci-fi film and I'm helping produce it um, as well. And then obviously like I've got my documentary that I'm making. So I'm kind of working on about three projects all at once right now, which is a lot of work, um, but it's very exciting. So right now I'm, I'm actually writing, well, I've actually written this documentary um, and it's about invisible illness. Um, the working title right now is called um, Invisible Me. And it's basically, um, we've got Women's College involved and uh, some presidents from different associations. And uh, we have several people telling their stories. And what this is, is it's basically um, a documentary to highlight how we as a population, we look at people with our eyes and we judge them based on what we see, not what we know. So we look at someone and we go, oh, they look good. You know, we don't think that they might be sick, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing about sickness is that 70% of people that class themselves as having an illness, 70% of those people that class themselves as having an Ill illness have invisible illness. So 70% is a huge number. And this can range anywhere from depression, anxiety, you know, schizophrenia, all the way to like um, very rare conditions, like, you know, even people with Lyme, right? Like you walking down the street, you don't know that someone, that person in the supermarket today, that was the first time that they've been out the house in two weeks and actually getting to the supermarket took them about four hours to get ready. And they have to wear shades to go through the sun, the, the store, because it's just, they can't deal with the lights. And so it's, this documentary does two things. We've got the professionals that talk about how their patients with invisible illness struggle. And then we also hear from the patients like a day in the life of um, what they go through. And it's really to create awareness and try and change people's perspective and how we treat like strangers around us, um, you know, when we're out and about. Hmm. Sorry, yeah, I'm just standing up because it just occurred to me, I have curtains I can close. I don't know why I've been struggling with my blanket and tripod. But yeah, that's a, that's a cool thing to, to talk about how people have illnesses that you wouldn't know about. Because I realize these days that I've been, basically, I focus on just beautiful people on Instagram that are all young and having fun. And that's what I compare my entire life to. Like, oh, my God, I'm not that young anymore. I'm not in university dorm. I'm not a Hollywood movie star. But you forget that, I mean, you know, you know everybody's got something. Most people are going through something. And then think, even, yeah. yeah. I even, think most what you see on social media is half the truth right um i think people don't show the ugly in their life and and i i do i i will post pictures of you know um things that go wrong and things that aren't beautiful like you know even just the other week like i got my wisdom teeth out and uh 
because I have like a bit of a, a small arrhythmia and whatever, I had to do it in hospital. And when they woke me up, they told me that my bottom lip and my chin was permanently numb. You know, I they damaged the nerve and I'd never feel it again. And I was like, oh my God. And, uh, you know, I cried myself a river and, uh, and I did post about it because, you know, I think you've got to, to, to be like real. And, so, and I don't post all of my stuff on social media, but I think it just helps normalize that everyone's life isn't perfect. Do you know what I mean? And, and things do go wrong and it's okay to admit that they do. Um, and, you know, and that's the thing. I'm actually getting some feeling back in my lips, so it's not all bad now. But, um, you know, it's just the more that we share about the good and the bad, you know, just yesterday I was in, interviewing a girl for the documentary and she's only 27 and she was telling me about, like, she's bedbound right now. And she suffers with a, with a lot of the illnesses that I had. And, um, you know, I could see that she's just like holding on because the doctors have told her, you know, she'll never be well. And I said to her, you know, I'm living proof. Like I am well now, you know, so you need to keep that hope that you can get well. Otherwise, what's the point, right? And I think like sometimes just with what we can share, it can actually help others have hope that, you know, there's possibilities, even like with the acting and filmmaking that I'm doing, you know, it's so easy to say, well, well, why do you get to do that? Well, why don't I get to do that? You know, it's like anyone can do anything if they're willing to risk everything for it, if they're willing to put their money and their time and all their effort into anything, anyone can do anything. But a lot of people don't want to put the time and the effort 100% in to do the things that they want to do. So it's like, you know, we all have choices and it's like help the people around you. And, and that's another thing I'd tell you about the acting and the filmmaking. I think the more people that you help and you give your time to, um, I see, I really do see it come back around again and again. Um, you know, what you put out there, you get back, you know? Yeah, uh, I was just, listening to Kathy Heller's podcast a couple of days ago and she did a whole episode about helping others like if you just mm -hmm. help others with no conditions it'll exactly. come back to you uh, and it's also pleasurable to help people like so just make a list of 10 people what's a little thing you can do for them reach out to people help them and that's that's how you attract a tribe and and, and feel good about yourself and all of that so that's that's what I that's why I want to do the spark the genius of like okay you know yeah I want to do comedy but maybe and I'm obviously not the most successful guy in the world, but I feel like it, at the very least I could be a cautionary tale. I can tell you what not to do or, you know, um, and, and I can help people that way. And maybe that'll make me feel good. Um, I just wanted to mention one thing about your, your meal when you said you eat steak and stuff. That's what I, I saw this uh, webinar a couple of days ago with Dr. L William Lee, I think his name is. And he, he studies like what foods can actually fight cancer and prevent cancer and stuff. And he says processed meats are the worst. So like salami and stuff, but I think regular meat would be good. And then like you were saying, potatoes are healthy and the vegetables you eat. And so it sounded like everything you eat is, is the right thing. So that's good. And then the lip. Yeah. Like, see, I'm always struggling with the, the balance between sharing negative things and then trying to be like positive and stuff. Cause like I, I do whine and complain about everything, 
but then people are like, it's just depressing, whatever. But the lip thing for, I mean, that's one thing that's, um, I had an accident, like on the second commercial uh, where I was the Scottish guy, I was supposed to throw myself off a table. Like I wrote the commercial and what they should have done is just got a stunt guy to do it or, or film it from behind once. But the director had me doing it over and over throwing myself off an actual like six foot platform onto a concrete floor, carrying this giant foam thing and, and with a tiny little mat to aim at. And of course I missed it and fell on my face and I had to go to the hospital. And then he had to fly back from LA the next time, but it's done permanent damage. Like I was, I had these things in my lip that the doctor said, Oh, that's just like a blister. It'll go away, but it's not, it's permanent scar tissue. And my jaw has hurt ever since then for 15 years. I never did improv again because I was afraid I wouldn't be able to talk fast enough. I had trained for years for it and I just never did it again. And I'm embarrassed to smile now because it, it, re it displaced the fat in my lip and there's a whole severed part here. So like if I smile or open my mouth, it just looks like I've got this weird dead lip and I'm so mad about it because the, the French guy wouldn't do it. He said, I'm not doing that, that's a stunt. So he didn't even do it, but I didn't think I could refuse because I was the writer and the agency didn't really want me doing it anyways, but the client did. And if they had just spent two extra dollars to get some extra mats, which of course the second time, now the whole floor is covered in mats. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, and so, and I, I met with a friend who was a lawyer or a friend's friend who was a lawyer. And he's like, you could sue them. But I know a guy who like severed a finger on set and he got like a hundred grand. So maybe you could get like 20 grand, but you might never work again if you're the guy that sues. But I never worked again anyways. So it's like, maybe I should have, but. Yeah, I, I personally, I think, like, for me, like, um, you know, I, I know that my doctor um, did everything he could to prevent it. And, um, you know, like, he did all the CT scans to check for the nerve ahead of time. And they were all clear, like, he really is like the best in Toronto. So I, I never suing just never even crossed my mind. Um, because, you know, I know that my doctor is awesome. And, um, and he's going to be doing more surgery on my jaw because I actually have broken my jaw. So I need to get my jaw joint replaced. Um, but for me, with it, when it comes to sharing these things, I think, um, I think there's elements that help other people. So I will share about my health. And a lot of my friends probably think, oh, we go, here we go. This old chestnut. I was sick for seven years. But it's not because I like repeating myself. It's because I know that I have an audience of people who are chronically ill and they are struggling to get better. And I think when people see that someone like me who was so ill and told that they would never get well, and I did, I think it gives a lot of people hope that are chronically ill and struggling because people with chronic illness, they're not living they're surviving and they are it's literally like a task to get through each day it's not oh I wake up today what am I going to do it's I got to get through today and that's the difference between someone with good health and someone with bad health and I think being able to cheer for these people and give people hope and support is is huge and and that's why like my life is so far from perfect, but anyone who looks at my Instagram account would probably go, wow, her life's amazing. It's not amazing. I work really hard. Like I don't stop. I like, I, 
I don't watch much TV because I literally work until about 12 o'clock every night. And, um, but that's because I value every minute of my day now. Um, because who knows if things could change, you know, six months from now, a year from now, nobody knows, right? I could go out tomorrow and get hit by a car and my whole life's going to turn upside down. And that in fact happened to my friend, you know, he, he got hit by a car crossing the road on Lakeshore close to downtown and he was in a coma and had to learn to walk again. And although he's learned to walk again, his life is never the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to do as much of what makes you happy and while you're well and able because things can change very quickly. And, uh, and, and that's why, you know, when I started writing films and um, decided that I really wanted to make my own mark, you know, with women in film um, in this industry, I was like, people were like, well, how can you? I was like, well, how can I? You know, like who's stopping me, right? Like if you, if you, if you, have, if you have people that want to work with you and you have, you know, I think anyone can write. It just takes practice. You have to learn. You have to practice. You have to be open to criticism. And I think that really anybody can learn anything if they want to, basically. Yeah, like every time I say somebody like, oh, you should try comedy too. Oh, no, I'm not funny or I couldn't. I'm like, and that's fair if you don't want to do it. Like I pushed my first girlfriend, Jan, you should try it, try it. And she's no, no, no. And she tried it and she loved it. But then, and she was really good, but I don't think she ever did it again. But I think comedy, you know what? I'd say comedy might be the exception because comedy is delivering lines in a certain tone in a certain way. and, And the timing has to be so spot on. And I don't think everyone is born with that ability. And even my acting coach, like he said to me, he said, you could do comedy if you want. He said, a lot of people can't. He said, you either have it or you don't. You've either got that quick on your toes kind of thing or you don't. And he's like, you could do it if you want. Um, But I'm too scared that I would try and then not be funny. So again, it's like... It's a different confidence thing, right? I probably get on stage and people would throw potatoes at me, you know? <laughs> no, but I'm open mics. People are very supportive. That's why I go to open mics every now and then, like I did a couple of days ago, just an online yesterday, just to remind myself, oh yeah, it really sucks. Like, cause otherwise I get in my head and I'm like, oh, am I Louis CK? Am I Robin Williams? Like, listen, we're all just struggling. And that's why I think- Do you write any comedy? Yeah, I mean, when I was 20, I tried an open, like a, a talent show, um, at my university and then I started doing some open mics but I just did it over the years every now and then I would do an open mic in Toronto and then in Ottawa and then I stopped I, I did all the second city improv training and oh then, that's cool and then basically and and I always did well like when I did Toronto the first time the owner came up and he's like you're really good at this you should pursue oh. this and I was like 20 so I should have this is it and then when I took my improv classes when I was like 20 I guess also 20, the teacher took me aside after the first eight weeks. She said, listen, I don't tell anybody this, but you, you should really pursue this. You have a gift for this. This is your thing. Like, oh, but, and I did it. I mean, I took the rest of the classes and did the improv, but it never, it only occurred to me this year, like 20 years after my conservatories that 
I could, I, I emailed him. I said, can you audition for the main stage? Yeah, we have auditions every year. So I could have been auditioning every year for 20 years. Like, you know, at the time, like, oh, I'm 30, I'm too old or something, but I could have just given it a shot. I could have been doing amateur yeah. nights every night of the week, just like, but I was always like, oh, I'll write it later, write it later. And then this winter I, or last summer, I was like, uh, you know, when am I going to do this if not now? So I, I saw some classes online. So I started taking some online Zoom classes and I entered the Yuck Yucks contest last oh, summer and cool. I didn't get past the first round, but I did. Yuck Yucks is hard though. Yuck Yucks is really hard. Like yeah. there's a lot of talent that goes to the Yuck Yucks, right? Yeah, it was their summer contest and there's seven people a night and then the judge and the audience votes for the three that'll go on and I didn't go on, but it was fine. Um, and then I did a class, it took in-person classes at Absolute Comedy over the winter here in Ottawa. And my class show was really, like I did well, I, I still haven't posted it, but I need to post it. And then I wrote an act a month ago uh, for the, yuck, the summer contest again. And I just wrote all new stuff about getting my second vaccine. And I wound up getting first prize of the night. So, uh, so a week from today, I have to do round two. So I'm trying to decide what to do. Um, That's so, cool. Yeah, I've sort of learned little tips, like basically... I'm learning to keep it shorter. Like usually I'll ramble for like a two minute story to get some weird point. But now I try to just, it's two sentences. It's quick, it's quick. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I do agree. Like when I saw a show a couple of days ago, there was a lot of people. I'm like, yeah, they're pretty funny. They're pretty funny. Everybody's kind of got their little joke and they say it. And there's one girl that I thought was really funny. I just thought she was the best. And it was just the way she delivered stuff. She was just like something like, you know, I'm feeling anxious, saw, but it's okay. That's what I tell myself. It's okay. And it's just the way she said it that every laugh. And I was like, Oh my it, God. And it's, it's such a natural, right? When right. it just rolls off the tongue and you just, sometimes it's just, it, it it's, it's the facial expressions as, uh, along with the timing and the tone. It's, it's so many different things that come together in the perfect combination that make it so entertaining, right? Yeah. So there's some people that do have the gift, but I think anybody could still do it. Like there's, you know, you could write some things, a little twist and, and I'm sure you could get some laughs. And um, so I don't think anybody should ever not do it because like, oh, I don't have the natural gift. It's like, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. It's not for everyone. But I don't like when anybody decides I'm not going to do something. Like, I, like I've run for parliament and provincial parliament and mayor twice each, like just because I'm like, I decided to do it. And I don't feel like I'm an expert on anything, but I'm going to be in the debate. And it's so scary. And every time I do something like that, stand up or be in a political debate, I tell myself, I don't want to do this. I'm never doing this. And even the first time I showed up to a debate, I got there a bit late. It was an old age home. And I just sat at the back and there were all the politicians were already yelling at each other and I didn't go on stage. And then some woman came up to me afterwards. She was like, oh, you know, you should have, were you, were you the Green Party guy? We, you should have come up. And I, I went home and I cried and I felt like, oh my God, these people wanted to, to, to see who I was and this was my chance. And I was just bawling. Like, and I told myself I'd never, I never want to not do something again. I'm just going to show up and I'm going to do it and I'm going to force myself. So I do that. And I, I guess it's good, but I, I really you know, make, I, it just makes know, me I, sad that I didn't do it for the past 30 years and really do it every day and really pursue it. You know, I think, I think people overthink things way too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think people get in the head and they think, Oh no, I can't do that. Or, uh, they, uh, they people actually talk themselves out of what they're able to do all the time and um i'd say i remember years ago when i used to do auditions i used to get so nervous before an audition you know like sweaty palms and this was before i was sick and then um and then everything changed when i had i had surgery on my heart and i had to be awake for it 
I had, I had it twice actually and they kind of put this wire in through your groin and they feed it up to your heart and they can't put you asleep because they have to play with your heart while you're awake and honestly I've never been so terrified because I thought I was going to die both times and um, after that I was like why am I scared of an audition you know like yes like I, I can have I can stay calm enough to have surgery on my heart awake. Why am I getting scared going into an audition for someone to judge me? So now it's like I roll up at auditions and I'm like, hey, you know, like I don't get sweaty palms at all anymore. Um, I don't get nervous on set like whatsoever. Um, but I think it's, again, these things happen to us in life that just give us a new perspective and challenge us but when they challenge us they change us you know and I think if people we we as people we put too much weight on our shoulders we put too much pressure you know I have a 23 year old son and when I speak to him plot twist what <laughs> yeah um and when I speak to my my eldest son you know the pressure that that generation puts on their shoulders about the expectations, you know, because everyone's a YouTube star or Instagram famous or, you know, everyone's making money being social media famous now from TikTok to whatever, right? And this generation has such a huge amount of pressure to make big money and to be in the spotlight and to live such extravagant lives. And I'm like... You know, I know you see, like when we were kids, we might see one person, you know, like it was Macaulay Culkin or whatever, right? Yeah. But now, like in, in every high school, there's probably at least one or two kids out of every high school that are making a big bankroll from social media, right? And, and I think that um, is a lot of pressure for today's generation. And I'm actually really glad that I wasn't, you know, living my youth with that kind of pressure because i think it would be really hard i really do yeah it's interesting yeah like my sister had all the magazines for the new kids on the block or the michael j fox like the, yeah. the child actors and and like i i filmed a comedy series for my grade 13 project with my friend peter and then we had a vhs tape of it and i brought it to university and showed the girls and never saw that again i lost the tape but what else was I going to do with it? Like occasionally I would film like an audition and put on a VHS tape and set it to TV Ontario or something, but there wasn't a lot you could do. There was like speaker's corner at much music where you could go and film yourself for a minute. And that, I think that's how the bare naked ladies got discovered. But other than that, yeah, not a lot of pressure. And if you wanted to create, if you wanted to make movies, you really had to be like, okay, I'm buying a video camera. I'm going to learn how to edit this on two VHS machines, VCRs and, and do it. But now I was thinking that recently, like everybody's a creator and, and, and maybe that's because everybody naturally has creativity in them and wants to record. They're all on TikTok, and it's not even just comedians, it's nurses and teachers and accountants and everybody's got their flight attendants and they're all doing funny videos. And, and yeah, and so everybody wants their five minutes of fame. And, you know, and I, I like TikTok. like when it first came out and COVID hit, I was like, you know, when TikTok started, I was like, well, this kind of gives me an excuse to put my makeup on every day and do something because I wasn't working. And, you know, what is this COVID business? You know, how long it's going to go on for? And it was just such a depressing time. And 
I was kind of grateful for being able to make myself laugh. And I literally made myself laugh every day, making a TikTok. And, and now I'm just like, now I don't really have the time to make TikToks because I feel like I just don't have the time to like, you know, spend time learning all that stuff. Um, and I'm just really so dedicated to trying to make um, stuff that can reach audiences in, in other ways. But I'd say that the the problem that um, a lot of creators come up now uh, come up with now is you know you make great content or you write a great movie but then it's like getting it in front of the right people and you know and that's where networking and that's what I would tell anyone who's either looking to be an actor or work in the film industry in any capacity whether it's camera guy or you know doesn't really matter. Um, it's all about networking. It's all about networking and it's about offering to work for free and do whatever you can. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, like yeah, when you start networking, you will be so surprised how many people want to help you. So surprised. Yeah. And that's what I wish I had known. I mean, it's probably harder to network before the internet, but I, I wish I had taken the chance and just said, okay, you know what? I'm 25 advertising. This is stupid. Uh, I'm going to go to LA and I'm just going to say, Hey, can I help you with things? Cause I see all these. Hey, hang on. Let yeah. me just challenge you right there. You say, I wish I had known. I wish what's stopping you now. Well, okay. Like for example, I see all these posts now. Uh, I signed up for Holly list for a bit cause they were taking submissions for a John Stewart uh, writing package. And, and, uh, and so I paid for it for a couple of months and I, I guess I've, I let it lapse. It's only $5 a month. But a, a lot of the jobs are like a, a assistant to executive at Marvel or Disney or, or script assistant, all that kind of stuff. But the I mean, I'm 48 years old, almost 49 in November. And it's like that kind of job is for young people. They want a, you know, a cute 20 year old who's got a lot of time to learn. Like it's, I don't know. And, and I even taught even 10 years ago, I was talking to a radio host I knew in Toronto and he's like, what are you going to do? Like go to a small town and work your way up for 20 years. And at that point I was only like 40 or something. And I was like, yeah, I guess not. Um, but at the, on the other hand, two years ago, just before the pandemic, I applied for a couple of jobs and I could have done in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, they were looking for just somebody to, to be a reporter for the little town for, and you'd go on the air once a week. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to spend a year in Yorkton. But I mean, what have I done since nothing? And then Timmins, Ontario, so they had a morning show. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. They were like, do you, why do you want to come up north? And I was like, I never got back to them. I'm like, I don't know. Would I want to go up north? But two years has flown by. And, and so there, I guess there's little things I could have done. But again, even to get into radio, you'd have to work your way up. But on the other hand, I listen to James Altucher podcasts a lot. And he talks about now, even TV and he's like, you can just do stuff yourself. Like it's hard to, to get meetings with people. And he's had meetings with like eight producers for different TV show stuff. And it's like, it's, but he self publishes his books on Amazon now. And he, and now if you want to yeah. do make YouTube videos, you just do it, shoot a movie on your phone. Like, why do you need permission from Hollywood to do something? You don't. And I think, um, you know, I've been like, I've been networking with different screenwriters for probably the last two years. And uh, I was lucky enough to be on a Zoom call with, um, oh, this is like really bad that I can't remember his name, but the, basically the guy who wrote and produced uh, the Die Hard films. 
and there was like 10 of us on a zoom call with him and uh you know I was getting to chat to him just like I am with you which was like you know I felt like I completely taste Hollywood it was pretty amazing and uh you know I said to him like what what would you what's your best advice try and sell your script or make your script and he said make your script he said he said film film your film send like a two-minute you know trailer to the producers because people have got time to watch a two-minute trailer rather than read a 90-page script right yeah and he said the bet the thing that people always overlook is people are always so focused on what they see he said but people will forgive you know the quality of what they can see but they won't forgive what they can't hear so he said always make sure that you have really good sound with whatever you film and i thought the advice he gave was really good and uh, like I know Netflix has got certain uh, quality requirements that you can only film on certain cameras if you make stuff and you submit it to them. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of that, but I do believe that, you know, we are our biggest excuses for why we don't succeed most of the time. And, you know, I'm okay with starting at the bottom and working my way up. It's like, did you know that, I can't remember if it's Christopher Hopkins or, um, or if it was Morgan Freeman, but one of Anthony the, Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins, even. Um, but basically, I can't remember which actor it was, but I don't even think they got their first gig that made them famous until they were 50. Yeah, well, uh, 50. Morgan, yeah, Morgan Freeman, I think, is the big example. I think, I think Anthony Hopkins didn't get started till he was quite late in life either. Yeah, I mean, his big thing was, um, Balance of the Lambs, yeah. Was, biggest and then uh who's the other one uh, samuel l jackson like when he was 50 years yeah old. so i think like when we look at this there's a lot of people who actually didn't make themselves until they were midlife yeah so when, no. you think, when you think about that forget your age forget your age and how old you are now and everything else you just got to go you get to be on this planet once you get to do this life once so you can do it and be like, hmm, or you can do it. And like, for me, it's just like, I'd rather throw my money or and my time at things that if they work out are going to make me very happy. Because I always have this vision in my head, like if I'm 80 or 90, if I get to live that long, I want to sit in a chair and I'd rather be able to say, oh, I had a good go with that. Even if I failed, I'd rather be able to say that I tried rather than to say, like you're saying, I wish I'd known 10 years ago. I don't want to sit there and say, I wish, I wish, I wish. I want to say, I tried, I tried, I tried. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's why I don't care about failing at all. Like, I mean, if, if I, I just want to try. I don't want to say, oh, I didn't, I didn't. And that's what I'm mad about, that I didn't do yeah. my comedy overnight. And I even, I, I, so like when I was 37 or something, I took a screenwriting class and, uh, and then I had to take a third class, like a special class with her to finish my third act. And then I went to LA and stayed with a friend for three weeks to finish it. And, uh, and I wound up entering it into a, a contest and I forgot about it. And the teacher's like, don't enter. It's like your first draft. I'm like, I don't care. I hadn't even reread the script. But I, then I noticed an email that said, oh, you're in semifinals. I wound up winning this contest called Script Showcase. And it was sent oh, to like wow. all these producers. I got like 300 bucks or something. And then 
one of these guys in New York made all these notes. And I was like, okay. And I just never, never did anything with it. Like it took me like a year to write this stupid romantic comedy. And, and it won a contest out of the blue, like my literally first script, first draft, not even proofread. And I never, so obviously I had some kind of gift for this and I yeah. never did anything with it. 10 years later, I, I emailed the guy again. I'm like, Hey, and he's like, who, what? No, I don't even work with comedies anymore. And I'm like, and I'm like, why? Because at the time I'm like, oh, I don't want to sit down and work on the script. But even if I just went to a cabin for a month, like I look back now, 10 years, it's like, what would a month have been? Like, what have I done for the past month? Nothing. And if I had just focused on it, it could have changed my life. Just don't, the thing is, we just, you can't get distracted by other things around you. And, you know, right now, like, you know, um, both my sons are in England and I've just got time to myself to just focus and, and it's perfect because doing these three projects, like they're all going to be finished by end of September, all of them. And uh, so I just really need this time right now just to focus on completing um, what I need to do. And then by end of September, you know, I'll be ready to, you know, move, move on with, with the next thing. So, um, you know, it's crunch time right now. And, but at the same time, I'm not complaining for being so busy and I don't have time to see friends or watch TV or do anything. Um, but I'm not complaining about that. I'm, I'm happy that I have these opportunities, right? So yeah. it's just don't waste the opportunities when they knock on your door because they don't always come that often, right? Well, that's what I'm realizing now. I mean, I mean, with women, I realize that. I mean, it's like all my amazing girlfriends. I lucked out the first girl I ever kissed in university still was is the best thing I've ever had. And I just break, broke up for no reason. And then I was always like, no, no, there'll be another girl, another girl. And then you turn 40 and you're like, oh, there's no more girls. That was it. Um, and then same thing with like, there was a director once, uh, he directed like, uh, the most recent Conan, Conan, the barbarian or, uh, chainsaw massacre movies. And he was pitching us for commercials. And I said, Oh, I, I like films or something. And I talked to his assistant and the assistant was like, Hey, we want you to be the writer on this, uh, series we want to write about working in advertising. And, and then we'll give you a thousand bucks or something. It wasn't a lot. And then this producer friend of mine, this girl who I didn't even know that. I don't know why I was listening to her at all. She's like, oh, they're trying to rip you off. That's not enough money. Ask for more money. Take 20,000, 30,000. And then eventually the guy was like, you know what? Uh, it's too much trouble. Forget it. But I mean, what the hell did I need the money for? Like, <laughs> I, it was more, I should have just taken this opportunity and, and tried it. And then I got a Hollywood director. Like, I could have gone to Hollywood and stuff. So I, I and then those things don't come by it again. You, like know, you know how many actors I've heard who've said, you know, they've been offered um, a part on, you know, a small film or whatever. And it would have been a great opportunity for them to put something on the resume. And they've been like, oh, no, I, I, I don't show up for free. Yeah. And I always think, oh, why? Who are you? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. unless you're an A-lister, I, I do act. I will act for free. And I do, um, you know, like just actually just the other day, I had a director that I worked with 10 years ago um reach out to me asking if I'll do a small cameo role on a feature film that he's written and has almost completely finished filming and he's like you know I really want you to do this small cameo role um and I was like 100% I will do you know what I mean like you know I'm I'm no one who's big and famous right now and if I can help people that have helped me in the past 100% I will so I think um when you're willing to work for free 
um, while you're still making a name for yourself. I think it's really important. I like people, I think, get too ahead of themselves expecting money. And it's like, no, that's you're not in the place to start making demands. And But I see that with, I mean, so many people go, no, my time is worth this. And I think, you know, good for people who are very confident about what the time's worth. For me, opportunity is worth more than what my time is worth right now you know it's like yeah and i think it opens the door the door the next door the next door the next door you know so especially for things like acting that everybody wants to do it's not exactly. like you're 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 cleaning a sewer and it's like well my time's worth this it's like no exactly. and and i mean what i've learned is that money comes from other places like i saved up 70 grand or whatever from various things like uh airbnb or voice acting and then I, I put it into stocks and it went up like 10 times or actually 20 times, like two, in two stock trades, I had over a million dollars. I'm like, that's how you make money. You don't, you don't, it's not about, Oh, I'm going to get $30 for uh, this acting role or I want a thousand dollars. It's like, you're not going to get rich from this acting role or whatever this, or even selling someone a little script in Hollywood. You, you do it to show what you can do and eventually the money will come. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, people get all like, Oh, I, you know, interns should get paid. Well, I guess, who knows? I mean, you should have enough money to live, I guess. But, but if you're doing something that everybody wants to do, then you got to yeah, offer your time and learn and make money in other ways to be able to do these things you want to do. And Gary Vee is always talking about how you should just, yeah, contact these people and say, I'll come work with you for free and stuff. And so that's why I wish I'd known this when I was younger and I could just be like, you know, hey, I'm a little, I, I, I've wasted so much time. I look back and it's like, how did I just waste the past 10 years doing nothing it's not too late that's what i'm trying to say it's i know not, there's no point because in 10 years late. i'll be like why i was only 48 yeah, why didn't i do this like, like stop yeah. you're giving yourself all the excuses like you can yeah. still do all the things that you want to do it's just you know as you get older it gets harder because you've got more responsibilities right yeah and, yeah. and that can be um put limits in place but I don't really have any responsibility. I've got nothing. I've got no job, no home. You've got no, no excuses. Yeah, no excuses. You, you've got no excuses. Go to LA. Go, yeah. hit, network, network. Get those doors open, right? Like there's, and I think that's one of the biggest things. Like people need to just empower themselves and put your time and effort and your money into the things that if you can go to work and do something every day that would light you up like a Christmas tree, then why wouldn't you try? You know, like... I just personally, I just don't ever think I could go back to doing a nine to five job, which I don't enjoy. I don't think I could ever do it again. Yeah, I never really, I mean, working in advertising, writing commercials, I, I realized now was, and at the time, it was still a fun job. You go get free That's food. Cool. Yeah, it was yeah. a cool job. And then also, like I wrote a commercial for Leslie Nielsen once and we went to Miami and shot that with him. And he was telling me about Hollywood and everything. And I'm like, you don't, and at the same time, I was meeting directors like those guys who wanted me to work on the show. And then all these editors would help me with my short films. Like it was a pretty good. And then I just thought, no, no, I don't want to work. I want to go to Hollywood. I don't know. But I never did it. Like I left my job six years ago and I didn't pack up and go to Hollywood. I just been wasting time, but whatever. I mean, maybe. Well, I expect to see big things from you now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a lot of it too, technology advanced, right? Like even five years ago when I was talking to my friend, Tony in New York, like we should do a podcast together. He was going to have to buy this, software for thousands of dollars to figure out how we could record something like this but now there's zoom there's skype like anything there's no so 
even the stuff that I'm like, oh, why didn't I do that? Well, it wasn't possible. Like it was only 10 years ago that you could film with your iPhone. And like, it's mm-hmm. like, what, what, what did I think? I mean, I, maybe I did what I could do. You know, I did a lot of stand-ups. Like. But, but this, this is what I think. Like I listen to people like all the time and I find that the people who are happy for me with the way that things are going for me are people that are happy with what they're doing in their life. And I see some people who are a little disgruntled and not too supportive. You know, they don't like the posts that I make about the film and they don't, you know, they don't give that much encouragement or support. And most of the time it's because they're stuck in their life, not doing what makes them happy. Right. Whether, you know, and I think if you're living a life that you're genuinely and truly happy doing you're going to be very happy for the person next to you for them doing whatever makes them happy. Right. And I think, you know, that's the biggest thing, like, um, you know, you make the choices of what your life is going to be and you put the time and effort into the things that you care about. And when all said and done, we only have ourselves to blame for where we end up or where we don't end up. And yes, some of it is banked on luck and people giving us a chance um but you know support each other like at the end of the day if my if one of my best friends get a leading role on a on a big film or a you know a a massive tv show i'm going to be so happy for them because i want all my friends to succeed right and you know at the end of the day one of my friends succeeding takes nothing away from me i'm still in exactly the position i was in whether they succeeded or not right so i never understand why people aren't genuinely happy for other people around them when they succeed to me it it just seems so bizarre not to be you know i think it is about not being happy happy. why am i hearing my own voice back now that's weird uh it's not it's about not being happy with your own life i guess and then you just i mean nobody who's successful and happy has the time or desire to go through Instagram criticizing people and complaining about things and being negative. It's like, whatever. Um, Wait, so what was the, was the show you were on called uh, pleasure land? Yes. Okay. I was just looking up. But it was not a porno or an erotic thriller. I just want to make that very clear. It was, it was, uh, it was a TV show about these teenagers and one of their friends was pressured into having like underage sex with her teenage boyfriend. But it wasn't, it was, you know, it was, it was a good film. I actually had an audition with Steven Spielberg once for The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. That what? was, yeah, that was interesting. That was probably my most interesting audition I've ever had. Like in, because- in you were in front of him in person? Uh, no, I was in front of um, his casting director. And uh, I remember they put us into a group. So I was put into a group with like three other people. And we were told to be, um, okay, go and be one of the seven dwarfs. And we had to put on our very best British accent. And, you know, it was all about enunciating and um how you like pronounce your words, you know, and they, uh, they wanted us to improvise and we didn't know what was going to happen in the audition. Um, but we were just told to improvise, um, basically a two minute scene and each one of us had to be one of the seven dwarfs. I think I was 
uh, sleepy or sneezy, I decided to be. Um, Anyway, it was was a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't get it, obviously, but it was really cool just to be able to say that, you know, I did that, so. Did you say your son is is 23? Yeah. So you had him when you were 17? Yes. Okay, so that's. Good math. That's yeah. Thanks, I'm a genius. Spark the genius right here. And yeah. why did you move to Canada for a guy then? Um. Well, I was living in Liverpool, and at the time, I was like my boyfriend at the time was from. He'd grown up in Montreal, and he was living in Liverpool, and uh, he was just like, you know, you'd really like Canada, and I was like, would I? And he no. was like, yeah, it's really cool. And I was like, okay. So we moved to Toronto, but he'd never lived in Toronto because he grew up in Montreal. So neither of us knew anyone. We didn't have any family or any friends. And uh, yeah, it was just, I just, I don't know. I just really enjoyed Toronto. It was funny because when I first came here, I felt that everyone walked really slow. So I'd be walking downtown Toronto and I, I felt like I just kept tripping over people. And it's funny because I hear Canadians say, oh, you know, downtown's so busy. And I'm like, not compared to England. Like in England, people walk so fast. And if you walk slow, people go, mm, get out my way, you know? Yeah. Whereas downtown, I'm like, this is a nice pace of life. You know, it's kind of not too busy, not too slow. It's just a nice pace, you know? So it's all relative. Cause like, if you go to Vancouver, it's like, oh, people are really slow there. And Toronto is like the fast pace. But then, yeah, if you compare it to New York or London yeah. or something, it's, it's all I, Tokyo. I, yeah. I kind of like the pace of life here. And uh, like, there's a lot I like about Canada. So, and it's been, Canada has been very good to me. So uh, yeah, I plan on staying here quite a bit longer see what happens. That's good. Uh, is was the diehard person Stephen E. D'Souza, Jeb Stewart, or John McTiernan? It was Stephen D'Souza. Ah, cool. Wow. He was wow. a really cool guy. Really cool guy. And he said to me, um, he said to me, um, um, if ever you get, if ever you're writing a film, write one of your characters with a one of your female characters with a boy's name, because I'm telling you, the cast always love it. I've never been on a film set where one of the, you know, cast hasn't wanted a boy's name uh, or like a unisex name. So when um, I, w- I got cast in this film that we're doing now, like I spoke with the director and I said, um, so can I have a boy's name like Jamie or something? Like I want my character to have a cool name. And he's like, I don't like Jamie. He's like, you can have Stevie. And I was like, I like Stevie. Stevie can work, right? So I get to play Stevie. So I was very excited to have this like unisex name for my character. Yeah, like, I was thinking I was thinking a couple of days ago just about in the old days, like on a sitcom, there was always a character named like Charlie or something. Everybody's like, oh, Charlie's going to come by to the bar. Charlie's a boy. And then, or, yeah. or the garage, but then they'd have a motorcycle helmet on and then they'd take it off. It's like, oh my God, and their hair flows. It's Charlie's a girl. It's this, ho oh, oh, ho, who would have thought or something. Yeah, yeah, no. So, but yeah, like, I think, you know, I, I love getting the chance to be on these calls with people who are so successful because, you know, I learned so much from them, like yeah, little bits yeah. and I get a feel for it. I'm like, I want that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah that's, it's, that's, that's, why that's, love. that's why I love. Sorry, I'm hearing my own voice again, looping. Um, being, like, I, was, I got on the red carpet a few times uh, at 
at TIFF and I was like talking to celebrities and, and then like uh, this producer that produced a Justin Timberlake thing. And, and he was like, you're really interesting. We should, we should meet up. We should meet up and have whiskey or something. And I was like, ah, oh, cool. Cause I, yeah, I love being, it's exciting to be in that zone and go, okay, that's what life is. Like when you're in Hollywood and all of that. And then also just, these are people who worked hard and are creative. So it's like, they get you. It's so easy to just get bogged down by the negative people on Instagram or people who don't really have the same creative ambitions as you. And then you just feel like, ugh. but yeah, whenever I'm in LA, even just seeing people work on movies on their laptops and Starbucks or, or, or having meetings with people, it, I always found it very invigorating. And then a few years ago, um, somebody set me up with this girl that they knew uh, who's a voice casting director. And I went to stay with her for a few days and she took me to a comedy show just like a regular night. And there was one woman in the middle. I was like, she's actually pretty funny. And I wrote down her name and I tweeted to her later saying, you were really funny tonight and stuff. And it turned out to be Amy Schumer. That was before anybody knew who she was, but and even Dane Cook dropped by and did a set that night. But I was like, she stood out as somebody who's just like really good. And then obviously I've got a good eye for talent because like a year later she was touring stadiums and and all of that. But uh, so yeah, just being in that environment, I always found kind of exciting. So so I don't know. Just before the pandemic started, I was uh, at the end of March, I was at a podcast conference in Orlando. And then my plan was, oh, maybe I'll stay in Miami or maybe I'll go to L.A. There was this woman I knew who had next to room that she said I could rent. And I'm like, maybe now's the time. Just sold the condo. I'm just going to go for three months and see what happens. And but everybody's like, oh, the pandemic's you got to come back. There's a lot. They're closing the borders. I was like, oh, crap. And now it's been two years since then. And it's like. It's funny because, you know, I had I had 46 years, 47 years before that to travel and do stuff. And I'm like, no, now I'm ready. No, just kidding. Pandemic. Yeah. But, but maybe you know what? You can, it's not too late. You can still go. You know what? I'm going to go anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I could still go. You and, can still go like you make and, your own choices. Like and I think gravitating towards the people that have similar interests is really important. Yeah. Really I remember, remember when I was there and I was in my late thirties and I was telling my friend, uh, you know, I feel bad. Like I never got married and what am I doing here writing a script? And she's like, people, people in Hollywood, they don't even think of settling down until they're 40. Like it's kind of a arrested development. Everybody's acting like a kid there and stuff. Um, yeah. And then I just read today that Daniel Craig has a three-year-old and he's 53. So he had a kid at 50, um, but he's also got a grown kid, but he's also got hundreds of millions of dollars. But whatever, whatever. Tony Robbins is 60 and just had a kid. So you never know. Um, but Things change, you know? But I think things can happen quickly. Like a lot of people over the pandemic, they've got 100 million followers on TikTok, but it all happened like a, a year ago or a few months ago. So technology now, even just maybe this, this podcast, like the fact that I'm doing this, this is something. This is how Mark Marin and Joe Rogan started, just talking to people, talking to their friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you put it on YouTube and then people... so. I mean, that's something I'm doing that's could be anywhere. Like, I, I, you could still do it from Ottawa. I, I'm still doing my stand-up comedy. The internet is anywhere. Like, a, a lot of what you read now is that you don't necessarily have to be sitting in Los Angeles. I no. Mean, nope. Yeah, it, I, I think it's really about who you're talking with. And yeah. um, I think, you know, I've met, I'd say I've met most of the people that I've ended up connecting with on Instagram um yeah a lot of the people that are giving me opportunities are people that i've met on instagram uh people that i people that i've i've either acted with 
um, been on set with um, over the last 10 years or people on Instagram that are giving me opportunities. I've probably got more work this way than through an agent. Yeah. So that's what I feel like. It's funny, like 10 years ago, my the third gen sent me to a therapist to try to figure out why I couldn't commit. And the therapist, this French woman was like, why don't you try um, just networking like online? Maybe that will give you the same rush as always meeting new people on the dating app and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I guess maybe. But it turned out she was right. Like, I don't like dating apps and dating and stuff, but I like networking. Mm-hmm. And so it's and Instagram's a great place where you can find people on any topic. Like that's what I decided a couple mornings ago. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look for the stand-up comedy hashtag and I'm going to find people that- You know, I know people I can put you in touch with that um, do stand-up comedy as well. Um, So I'll send you their names after. I'm working with some great guys on my documentary who I think, I don't know if they do it weekly or monthly, but they have a stand-up comedy night in their acting um, studio. So um, I can connect you with them too. See, see how this works. Yeah. One person and then they connect you with somebody else that has something in common with you. So I'll put you in touch with them too. That's what James Altucher said. He said, um, oh, my dad just texted. We're thinking going to a Chinese restaurant on five. Does that fit with your schedule? Sure. Nice. Um, But um, he says that, yeah, like the, the LinkedIn stats show that you don't get a job from your connections you usually get a job from your connections connections so your friends will be like i know someone so that's how i mean exponentially i've got like twenty thousand followers on linkedin or something like that imagine if each one of those people has 20 that's most of the world um mm-hmm. and i don't even know what i want to talk to comedians about i think partly it's just to be around other people who sort of understand what i want to do and then partly it was like well mark maron started off talking to comedians and then partly i was like had an idea Cause it's, it's hard. Like this conversation has been fun, but a lot of times it's like, why, what, what are you going to talk about? What is the point? I don't even know what the point is. People say, what's your podcast? I'm like, I don't know. Is it to help give people tips? But, but yeah. then I thought I had an idea a couple of weeks ago. Like, why don't I talk to comedians and just say, okay, what's a joke you have? Let's break down why it's funny and how you came up with it. And that's like at least a topic of conversation that I would find interesting. And I'm like, well, do I want that to be my whole podcast? But I thought it could be a little mini series. Like it's like, yeah. cause James Altucher has a show, but then he's got a little, I will make you a millionaire section where sometimes he coaches people on how to make a million but it's not the whole thing but I don't know well I have this problem where I just talk way too much and then I'm like oh my god I just waffled on for like half an hour about like absolutely nothing so my problem is actually the reverse is that I don't know when to stop talking which isn't always the best yeah well um, yeah (laughs) sorry to interrupt you I'm sure you could have gone on there uh <laughs> but, but that might be a Thank you. Yeah. Oh no, now I'm gonna get censored on YouTube. Uh, it's okay. Did... You can put flowers over the fingers or something, like they yeah. won't know. I don't think that's like even... rockets or Rocket. some yeah, rockets. Yeah, yeah. Now I gotta edit. Um, but, but no, I, start... I really I really enjoyed doing this podcast with you. It's been a while since I've done one. Um, so it's it's been nice just connecting and doing that and I'm I'm sure you got to go wash your hair, ready for your Chinese meal. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a little jab at me because I got no hair. People who are listening to this and not watching this on YouTube. I do it to my dad too, so I'm sorry. That's all right. Yeah. I like it. I like a little. Wash I, the my, eyebrows. Just go wash the eyebrows instead. It's okay. You know what I was doing today? Not that anybody needs to know this, but I was cutting my eyebrows because I sometimes I get a little hair, but it never occurred to me to cut them. But when I actually, I don't know, 15 years ago when I was still getting haircuts, I remember it was a little, uh, it was in the gay village, this Thai guy. 
and at the end of the haircut, he goes, he, he just ran scissors through my eyebrows. Yeah. And so, nope. so, my dad, you know? When my dad goes for a haircut, he's bald, but he still gets hair around the side. When he yeah. goes for a haircut, he goes a number one and, and uh, number two on me eyebrows. So he gets his eyebrows shaved at the same time he gets his head shaved. Oh, shaved. yeah, because that's what I wonder, like old people you see, oh, my God, they've got the crazy eyebrows and the hair coming out of their nose and ears. But you got to deal with that. Yeah, you don't have to have that. Just, you no, can go. Don't yeah. have that. If, if you get to a point where the eyebrows are that crazy, you've let yourself go. You have yeah. to keep it in trim, you know. And, and if you're too senile to know that, then make sure you've got a younger wife. That, that says, listen, we're going to take you in for a, a thing, but I'm hoping to eat healthy and exercise and always be sharp. And, yeah. you know, I, they keep saying, if you, if you can, if you're born, I don't know, in the seventies, that you might just be under the cutoff that they develop like the cure to death within 30 years. So you just have to make yourself healthy enough to get to that point. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm expecting to see some great things off you on Instagram now about how you're taking over LA. Okay. All right. Thanks. And how, what, where should people look for you if they, or, you know, what's, what's your little plug at the end? Um, I'm, um, my Instagram username is Sarah Harvey official, and, uh, that's probably where I post most of my content right now. Right. And, uh, yeah, like, let's see what happens in the next few months with these projects and, uh, hopefully, uh, bigger things keep coming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll check in regularly and, uh, and, and see how Sarah and Josh are doing. That was my first girlfriend's name, Sarah. So there, we'll see how we're, well, we were doing. That's a good name. <laughs> Very good name. Although she she spelled it without an H, and she was like, "That's the oh, only way to spell it." No, no, it's not. That's Sarah. Sarah is with a H. But we won't get into that. That's going to be another hour conversation. <laughs> yes, yes, that'll be the next episode of Celebrity Dosh slash slash Spark the Genius or whatever this is called. Thanks okay. so much. Bye. Bye.